Good morning and welcome to your favorite Friday morning podcast, Conversations with Buddy. Brought to you by The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. We give you the ability to connect each week with our guests because we believe people matter, you matter. We are grateful to all the listeners who take the time each week to hear the stories of our guests. Please help us grow the show by taking a moment right now and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Our purpose of this podcast is to impact the world one testimony at a time. This morning, I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, Jaffet Jefferson. Welcome, Jaffet. Thank you, buddy. Hey, we have a little guy named Leo. So how's Leo real quick? Leo's two and a half. Leo's two and a half. Mm -hmm. Hi, Leo. Can you say hi? He's like, no, I'm busy. He's focused. We'll hear from him (laughs) later, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Cool. Well, hey, Jeff, what I want to do real quick is just do a quick introduction of you. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to dive into who Jaffet is. And sure. you and I have had some conversation. I was just going to preface real quick. Mm-hmm. You and I met only just a few months ago. Yes. Um, this guy, Jason Leon, started a networking group mm-hmm. called the Excellence Exchange. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's a bunch of guys, mm-hmm. or eight guys specifically, mm-hmm. uh, who are believers. And we come together on Mondays and we talk about our business, we talk about the Lord. I like that we open with prayer and we close with prayer. Yeah. So you and I met just a short time ago, but I the thing that I remember most that you and I had a great conversation one day, probably a month ago, mm-hmm. and I got to hear more of your heart. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's what we're going to uncover today and unpack what God's doing in your life and what's on your heart. That's the goal. Okay. So here we go, man. Sure. Well, let me, uh, the introductions like this here. First... Uh, you had a near-death experience when you were in first grade. Does that sound about mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. Uh, you met your wife while in high school. Uh, you were a senior year, mm-hmm. and she was an answer to a very specific prayer, Yes. which was, God, send me the right woman to marry. That's Correct. awesome. Number three, I started my business the night I had a phone call with my dad saying that he and my mother were getting divorced. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that was really a tough- Terrible. Tough moment. Terrible night. Yeah. Uh, Number four, the birth of your son, Leo, is an answer to prayer. Yes. And I believe a miracle. And Leo is here today, so Mm -hmm. he's two and a half. And so we're going to hear from Leo a little bit, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number five, where I am in life right now is learning how to be a better leader in business and at home. Uh, Six, I plan to write either a book or possibly a program around character development. The working title is Character to Callings. And I believe that the project is such a large one that it will be more along the lines of a program and not a book per se. It's a massive project, but I know I'm supposed to do it and that God has called me to do it. Yeah. I'm currently trying to get things in order so I can pursue this project more fully. Mm -hmm. Well, let's unpack this. There's a lot here. There is. And so go ahead and start from the very beginning. Kind of where'd you grow up at? Are you from Mm -hmm. Salem? No. Start from the very beginning, man. Um, yeah, so born and raised in Klatskanai in Rainier, Oregon. Two small little towns. Um, the near-death experience was in Klatskanai. Okay. And um, basically, you know, we, we I grew up in a, uh, you could say, poor household. Um, five, five children, uh, one income. So health insurance was one of those things that we kind of skipped on, you know as a household. So when somebody broke an arm or got sick, it was like, uh, 
you know, we'll make our own cast or go get some cold medicine, you know? So, um, essentially I started to get sick, just appeared to be like a flu or a cold, like a, a severe one, uh, stayed home from school for about a week and then still wasn't getting any better around like day seven. My skin was getting really pale. Um, I couldn't eat anything anymore. I'd throw everything up, uh, constantly in pain. My chest was, felt like I was getting stabbed all the time. Um, and on day 12, um, my mom, you know, put me down to, to go to bed and I had already had a lot of difficulty sleeping the previous couple of days. But on that specific night, I looked my mom dead in the eyes and I said, mom, I feel like I'm actually going to sleep tonight. And that sparked fear in her heart, you know, cause I, it was just something about the way I said it. Hmm. And that's what she told me. Um, and sure enough, you know, she, she goes downstairs and, you know, I'm laying in bed. I'm in a lot of pain, um, barely have eaten anything in the last five days. And I, one by one, I could feel my senses start to go. You know, it was like touch, um, like the temperature of the room. I couldn't feel hot or cold. Um, stopped feeling the blankets, kind of went into a body paralysis and um, kind of lost vision. Um, the very last thing I remember to go was hearing. And as each sense dissipated, the other senses kind of increased. Um, so like when, when hearing was the last sense that I had, but it was hyper sensitized. So I could hear my parents arguing all the way downstairs, like three bedrooms across. I mean, they were, they were a good 30 feet away across multiple walls and I could hear them clear as day. And they were arguing about the fact that, you know, we don't have health insurance. Um, I know that he's really sick. There's probably, it's, it's not a flu. You know, this is my dad saying this, but we don't have the money to go to the hospital. We just don't. And mom's like, he could die, you know, like, and she, she told my dad, you know, what I said to her and it scared her. And she's like, look, at this point, I don't care what you say. We're going to take him to the hospital. And I heard all that. I'm all the way upstairs in my bedroom. I could hear that like I was standing next to them. So from there, even the hearing dissipated. And what replaced the sound was a reverberation. So I could hear like a vum, 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 vum noise. Um, I wouldn't even call it a noise. It was like a pulsating, you know, um, throughout my body. And everything was just pitch black. And then um, that reverberating became like a higher pitched tone. And then it just blacked out and there was just nothing. Absolute. I can't even describe it. It, it. There was literally nothing. And then, like some people will describe, there was a light, you know, at first very small, but got wider and wider. And these rays of light, when they started to hit my body, because um, I could feel that I still had a body. Um, but as those rays hit me, the interesting thing was, okay, well, senses started to come back. I could feel. Hi. Hi, Leo. I could feel again, right? And the rays, um, the rays of light that were hitting me had emotions in them, good emotions, you know, um, loveliness, beauty, um, caring, kindness, um, compassion, all these emotions. And all of a sudden, a very loud, booming voice came out from the light, and it said, I have not... <clears throat> chokes me up. 
I have not intended for you to die yet. I'm sending you back. It still shakes me up. And I I wake up in the van, and my, my mom's like flooring it to the hospital. And apparently I was unresponsive. And uh, we get to the hospital, and I remember going in and out of consciousness, and they kind of did like an emergency surgery at a, you know, cause I had pneumonia. So they had to suck all the liquid out of my lungs and they took, um, x-rays and like later in life, my mom showed me those x-rays and my lungs were completely filled. You know, I could barely breathe. And then I had a, a three or four days in the hospital recovering. Um, and I, I don't remember anything from that. I was completely unconscious, just knocked out. So that, you know, is the establishment of my belief that there is a higher power that there that there is a god because i can't deny that experience um i'm very analytical um and i would say i've always you know i have my you know everybody has their doubts but it's like that's my rock that experience uh, i can't deny that yeah so now you're how old are you right now 33 33 when do you think you made a profession of faith in Christ. Did it start then? Was it later? Uh, on a more serious note, probably in my mid-teens. Okay. Yeah. What led you there? Well, that experience. Okay. My, my family was always churchgoers, but I would say it was a milk toast church. Yeah. Not a lot of meat. And I, had, I was craving that. And um, when I was finally you know, ready to go off to college, the very first thing I did when I got to the University of Oregon was look for a good church outlet. And I did find a really good one yeah. that served steak and mashed potatoes, not milk and graham crackers. Okay. So that's when um, uh, I had a lot of growth. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So you're a Duck fan. I really don't care for sports. Okay. To be honest. Yeah. So you went to U of O though, correct? Yes. And what what would you study? Well, I was going for business administration and accounting. Okay. I always thought I've, I've always been good with numbers. I yeah. thought I wanted to go into accounting. Um, promptly found out I do not like the mundaneness of that. Mm. And uh, but I did like the business administration part of it. And that second thing I think that was on that list. You know, my parents going through a divorce. My parents were always to me. I always looked up to them. And. Uh, you know, when when that occurred to me, it was like kind of this emotional blow of like, wow, that's that's one thing that I thought was really solid, you know, in my life, and that felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically, he called me up, and uh, my dad was was um, this was uh, the aftermath of the '06 to '09 housing crisis, and my dad had worked for a, a lumber mill, so. Um, they had let go of 60% of their workforce and, um, my dad lost his job there and he started doing roof cleaning, um, to, to make, to make up for, for the loss of income. Um, so that second year in college, um, my, my dad called me up and gave me that news and he said, look, uh, I can't financially help you anymore. He was covering about half the bills. And he said, uh, you know, I just, I can't help you anymore and I'm sorry, but this is happening. And, uh. You know, when I got off the phone, I had this weird moment where I had to decide, am I going to pursue the dream or am I going to give up? 
and go back home. Hmm. I always wanted to be in business. I always wanted to own my own business. I just didn't know what. Um, and it was that night. It was like the decision was, I don't care what it is. I'm going to do, I'm going to be in business in some way, shape or form. And um, literally that weekend, I bought a pressure washer, put it in my car and I started driving around knocking on doors. And you're like 20 years old here? I'm 19. 19? Yeah. Okay. What, what year did your parents get divorced? Uh, it was that second year in college. So okay. first year I was 18, second year 19. So about 19, okay. Yeah, 19 and a half, something like that. And the only thing I don't know about you, do you have any siblings? Yeah, two older brothers, two younger sisters. Oh, that's right. You're right smack in the middle. Yes. That's interesting. Middle child. Okay. Yeah. It's often heard that the middle child gets lost somewhere in there. Is that true or is that just a myth? I think it is true. How so? Well, so the two older brothers have a closer bond, right? And then the two younger sisters have a closer bond. So being the middle child, it's like I'm not really close to any of them. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I love all of them. They're all great people. Is there a big age difference between you and your older brothers? No, it's about two years okay, on average. So, so you, because sometimes if there's more than like four years, sometimes they say that you become a new firstborn because you almost have this firstborn trait where you're analytical, you're yeah. business minded, you're um, just that mindset of wanting to be maybe you said accounting, I think CPA. Yeah. But, uh, but you're a, you're, you're definitely an entrepreneur and yeah. now I see that coming out. So that's interesting. Well, it's, um, I think it all kind of comes from this desire to do something important. You know, I've always been curious about purpose, um, about why we're here, you know, those deeper questions of life. I've always been super curious about it. Hmm. Um, I just refuse to believe that life is pointless. Amen. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So I've always kind of tried to find out, well, what is purpose? What is meaning? Why are we exactly here? Um, and that's where this project that I want to work on kind of comes from. It's that lifelong question. I, mm. I'd say from probably age 11, it, it's been like, it's this question that's in the back of my mind at all times. Got it. Yeah. Before we get there, I want to just ask you a couple questions. So when did you meet your wife? Absolutely. Um, so that's an answer to a prayer. And, and how long have you guys been married? That would be the second question. Well, so um, we met when uh, senior year. So I would have high been- High school or college? 17, 18. Okay. Well, high school. High school. High school. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what had happened there was I was always looking for, like I was always dating somebody. Um, like every six months I was dating somebody new. Like from middle school on up. Wow, and wow, wow, I know, wow. I was always looking for the right person though. And uh, it kind of sounds bad, but it was like interviewing people. Like if they didn't have the right qualities, if they, if I didn't feel like it was a good long-term match, then I'd cut it off. It's just pointless. I, the way that I viewed it was, why the heck would I spend years or months of my time um, if I know this isn't going to end up in a marriage, it makes no sense to me to, to, to be in, to be in a relationship if it, if it's not for the long term. So I got sick and tired of not finding the right person. So basically I gave up and I gave it to God and I was like, I remember making that prayer. It was after work, um, one day and I just said, God, I'm sick and tired of 
not finding the right person. So how about we make a deal? I won't date anybody uh, until you send me the right person. I don't care how long it takes. And I'll know it's the right person because I'll know. That's You know, you'll make it apparent. And uh, a year later, um, uh, Andrea was a a, um, foreign exchange student. We shared a history class together. And she actually sat behind me. And I didn't even notice her for almost the entire school year. It was the last like two months of our senior year when we even talked at all. Um, and what happened was I had an early release schedule. I worked at JCPenney's and I'd leave at lunch. And um, I was, when I leave, when you're leaving the high school, there's a red light when you, when you exit the high school and you can take a right turn and I get home 12 minutes faster or I take a left turn and I have to go the highway. So I never took a left turn, never. But I'm at the red light and I very clearly hear that same voice that I heard during that NDE. So I knew that it was God's voice. It was just one of those times in my life where I can't deny, you know, what happened. But I very clearly heard a voice say, turn left. And I'm at the stoplight and I'm like, I started arguing out loud. I said, why would I turn left? And it says, just turn left. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be late to work, but sure. So I turn left to follow the voice, uh, go up towards, you know, I'm going up towards the highway and I see Andrea walking on the side of the road. Like, and this is like a mile away from the high school. And so I pull off and, and I roll down my window. I'm like, what are you doing? And she comes running over the car and she didn't even ask. She just gets in and she's like, I left my project at home. You know, I, if, if I don't turn it in, I'm going to fail. Uh, you know, I have to get my project. Nobody was available to give me a ride. Uh, you know, can you please give me a ride? So we went and got her project, dropped her off back at the school. And when she was leaving the car, she turned around and said, you know what? I owe you one. And apparently in Mexico, that is just a courtesy that you do. But in America, if somebody says I owe you one, like we kind of actually mean that. Um, so I took it seriously. And then uh, like the next week, I asked her like, hey, do you want to go get like lunch together or, or something on, on Saturday? Um, and she said no. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I asked, I, uh, asked her again. And, uh, this time at a, her, uh, at a birthday party, um, with other people around. So she couldn't say no. And, uh, we went out to eat dinner, um, found out that we had a lot in common and it just, we clicked and we went on four or five dates before she had to go back to Mexico. And, um, before she, she, uh, on our last date, I came home I walked to my room and my, my dad just stopped me and he said, Hey, I don't know what it is about it, but I, I think that's your wife. Huh? And I was like, that's weird. It's weird that he would even say that. Um, and he suggested I write a letter and just tell her how I feel. So I did wrote her handwritten letter, gave it to her the day before she left to Mexico and said, Hey, just don't, don't read it until you get home. Um, she read it on the plane anyways, Uh but it basically said, this might sound weird, but I think you might be a long-term fit for me. You know, I don't know if you feel the same way, but why don't we give a long-distance relationship a shot and just see where it goes? And um, we were long-distance dating for six years and nine months. Um, Got married in 2015. Um, So we've been married for eight years. Okay. So you you guys dated for a very long time. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Does she have dual citizenship now? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And so how many kids do you have? Just Leo. Just Leo. 
Okay, Leo. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's a miracle. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, statistically, still possible, just very low probability. Why, and why is he a miracle? Well, so uh, uh, Andrea had a blocked fallopian tube. Okay. Uh, primary, uh, primary fallopian tube. So uh, y- your body will compensate, but the, the probability, even if conditions were perfect, were less than 20%. So everything had to be exactly right. And we say it's a miracle because we prayed about it every single day, you know. And mm-hmm. every month that went by that we weren't pregnant, because we were trying for over th- like three years, wow. it was depressing, you know. And I kept, I kept faith, and, and Andrea had almost given up, you know. Um, she didn't think it was possible anymore. I just kept telling her, I'm like, look, it's still possible. It's just a low probability. Um, but I still choose to say it's a miracle because this kid is perfect. Hmm. I mean, everything that you could hope for and more. That's amazing. Yeah. He's a, he's just a, he's a godsend. Yeah. 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 Kids change your life too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So tell me a little bit about your business. So you and I are obviously in, in a networking group yeah. and um, referred roof cleaning and exteriors. Yep. So your dad brought you into this business somewhat. Yep. Somewhat, yeah. Where did you actually create your own business? What would that look like? And, and then tell us where you are today and sure. what that looks like. So I started off as a sole proprietor, literally just to pay the bills. That That's all it was for. And it was basically, you know, I called up my dad a couple of days after we had that hard conversation and I said, well, I'm not going to come home. I'm going to find a way to pay my bills and make it work. Um, since you're doing this whole roof cleaning thing and it seems to be working, um, why don't you teach me how to do it? Um, or at least kind of point me in the right direction and, and help me get started. And, and that's how I'll, I'll pay my bills and you don't have to worry about me. So um, that summer, he um, kind of helped me get started, gave me a basic set of gear and equipment, um, uh, you know, a pretty cheap van <laughs> to put gear in. Um, but it was just sole proprietorship for the first few years. Um, then in 2013, I incorporated and brought on a business partner who did landscaping and we did roof siding and landscaping, all of it. Wow. We got a warehouse, had nine employees, um, office manager, whole nine yards. Um, but him and I had some disagreements and we split the business in 2015, like right before I got married. Got it. Yeah. And then in 2016, I relaunched and we moved to Salem. And where were you? Be- oh, you were up there still. Up still in Eugene. Yeah. Gotcha. Still in Eugene. Gotcha. And okay. uh, so when I moved to, so Andrea is a teacher okay. and her degree is in education and the Salem-Kaiser district just simply has a way better program, way more opportunity for her career choice. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of tired of Eugene. You know, there was a lot of, um, uh, I was just tired of it. So I was ready for a change and we moved to Salem and I relaunched. Okay. Under referred roof cleaning. Got it. What was your previous name of your Oregon roof cleaning? Okay. Yeah. Why referred roof cleaning? Why? Why that well, name? Well, I noticed that during the Oregon roof cleaning days and the Eagle roof cleaning days, that was the sole proprietorship. Um, I, I noticed that a lot of the work that we got was just simply repeat or word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And when I was trying to come up with a new name, you know, Andrea actually had a lot to do with 
the name creation too. We, okay. we would talk when we were driving in the car, we would just chit chat about like, well, what, what should I call it? Um, I did want to call it referral roof cleaning kind of flows. Yeah. But the only thing I didn't like about it, I, I liked referred because it was past tense, meaning yep. Yep. the referrals already been completed. Yeah. 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 Referrals. You're hoping for one versus referred. Meaning, referred is, it's this is done. how we live. Yes. This is what we are. This is what we are. Yeah. Uh, everybody loves referred business for sure. Yeah. And so where we're at right now is there are seven trucks. Um, I'm pretty much running the office. We did have an office manager. Um, she was great, but, uh, we, we did let her go cause we realized we just had too much overhead. Mm -hmm. Like I track the numbers. I look at the numbers pretty closely. Yeah. I make adjustments and it just didn't make sense to have that many office personnel for the amount of trucks that we had. Right. We basically had three office personnel and yeah. for, you know, five or six trucks, um, consistently out in the field, it just wasn't enough production versus the overhead costs. Got it. So I'm pretty much running the office right now, um, but we're about a million a year. Okay, in that's revenue. good. That's incredible. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay, but your your prayer and your hope because you and I met that one day a month ago after one of our networking groups, mm -hmm. and you began to share with me some things that were on your heart and mind. Let's unpack that a little bit and figure out kind of where you're at, what you're hoping to do, and and. Uh, what you're praying about? Sure. So basically, you know, it's like I had this NDE experience. God's real. No doubt in my mind about that. And a huge question that's been on my mind is like, well, what is what is purpose? What what are we called to do? And biblically, it's, you know, we're called to serve, serve God and, you know, spread his word. Amen. Um, but that's a very broad and generalized purpose, right? So I started to think about, well, well, what's what's God's specific plans for an individual? And I've prayed about that a lot, journaled about it a lot, asked God plenty of times, and his answers were always pretty generic, you know? It was kind of like um, I wanted something a little bit more specific, and the more I prayed about it, um, the more I thought about it, the more I studied the more I started to realize that a lot of what the Bible is trying to do is kind of teach you how to live. I mean, that's the whole purpose of it, really. It's it's how you're supposed to live properly. And out of that came this realization that, so there's a couple of verses that I, I try to go to. So um, first of all, God knew you before you were even in your mother's womb, right? Yep. He knows he knows your entire life plan. He knows everything that you're supposed to do and will do. And he knows every probability because um, we all have free choice. We all have uh, willpower, right? We, yep. we have the ability to choose. It's that God knows every possible pathway and every possible outcome. I had a, um, a very realistic dream about this once. And uh, I would say this is almost where the whole character to callings comes from is th this this dream. I was in a coffee shop and Christ was sitting in front of me and the coffee shop was surrounded by books all the way around it. Just the, all of the walls were lined with books. And um, it was like, I was just kind of instantly there and he's right in front of me. And he, uh, I, I just asked him, I'm like, where, where are we? And he said, um, we're, we're in your mind right now. And I was like, okay, and what are the books? And he got up and walked over and he pulled out a yellow book 
and it had a date on it. And he just started reading what was going to happen tomorrow. He's like, you're going to wake up at this time. You're going to eat this for breakfast. Um, you know, this is what, this is how many calls you're going to get for your business. You know, these are the jobs you're going to book. Um, he just laid out the day and then he closed the book, put it back. And then he waved at me to come over to a door. There was a door in the corner. He opens up the door and there's a exact copy of that room going infinitely up and infinitely down. But the room that we were in was lighted and the rest of them weren't. Hmm. And he just said, this is your current um, path. Everything that you've ever done and will do based on your current path and trajectory is written right here. But I've also written everything else that you could do. And, um, and then the dream was over. And so then I started to search for this. Well, geez, is there a way that I can change myself or adapt myself to the word in such a way that my probability of actually fulfilling what God wants me to do is much higher than it would be otherwise? Because after I had that dream, I realized there is a room in that infinite possibility that God does want me to be in. Hmm. That would be his perfect will. Yeah. And me being analytical, it's just the way my brain works. I just thought, you know, can I use the Bible? Can I can I find a way to to increase the probability that I can at least get closer to whatever that perfect will is? And I don't even know if 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 it's possible to be in his perfect will because we're all flawed. I think we can get close, but so uh, the idea is, you know, can we can we um, basically actually do what the Bible says to change our character and by doing so in faith, um, just because we change who we are as an individual, God will then lead us in the correct path. And I think that's absolutely true. I just wanted to write out a book or a program that actually lays it out, hmm. how it works, so that people can have a better understanding of it. I don't think we do things unless we understand them. That's right. If you don't or know the why behind it, why would you do it? There's right. a purpose. Right. Yeah. Why? Right. Hmm. And there's a lot more to it. Yeah. But, you know, there's time limitations. So So how's the transition from, you know, working full time, you know, owning your business to letting go? I know that's the really yeah. big question is how do you let go? Yeah. Uh, you created a business. I mean, yeah. a true business it operates without the owner. Yes. Because if you're really working in your business, you're really an employee of your own company. Yes. So how do you, we're all, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a control freak in a way. Like I want to control mm -hmm. the outcomes. and mm -hmm. But what God's helping me do is let go of control and letting him be in control. So how are you mm -hmm. navigating that season of your life? Well, it's um, it's definitely a bumpy ride. So what what I've experienced in my business life is, it's like I go for a year or two and make these positive changes and grow and the business grows and get more clients and improve systems and, and processes. And then we hit some kind of a plateau. And that's kind of my signal that I need to hire again. Maybe that's a technician. Maybe it's an office assistant. Maybe it's a sales guy. Maybe somebody needs to be promoted. But you basically hit a plateau and there's no growth. And that's your signal that it's time to change again. Hmm. And every time that I've hit that plateau and I take one step back, like as far as like um, um, my responsibilities go. 
So I was doing all the sales and the office work and all the field work. And then I got technicians and then they did some of the field work, but I was still doing a lot of it. And then, you know, eventually you step back from that and I'm doing all the office work and all the sales, but no longer doing production. That was like two years ago. Hmm. And then you step back from that and it's like, well, now I've got somebody else doing all the sales and I'm no longer doing sales, but I'm doing all the office work. Hmm. And right now, if things would have been, if I would have made some better decisions in the last year, I would say, because I made some mistakes in the last year, you know, it's been a roller coaster ride as far as the economy goes, uh, the market. Um, you know, I made some poor choices in marketing, um, but that's, that's life. You yeah. learn from your mistakes. Um, I would say if I had made some better choices, I probably could have not been doing any of the office work right now. But the position that I'm in is I'll need to do it a little bit longer. So, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. But you're definitely in a transitional phase, would you say? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, you know where um, you're going. Yeah, within the last year. So I would, it's, um, it's one of those things that I almost felt lost after Leo was born. Because like you said, a child changes your life. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a huge adaptation. But the business was at a point where I didn't have to do too much in it. And I really wasn't sure where it was going to go next. Basically, I was comfortable, you know. And I got bored. I got really bored. Mm. Um, I got comfortable. I got bored. I had my kid. I was going crazy. Uh, being comfortable and bored is not a good place to be, is it? No. No, it drives you insane. Yeah. And so for like the last two years, I've been doing a lot of self-exploration yeah. and trying to figure out. And my employees, by the way, I think for, and my wife, you know, all the people that are really close to me. Um, I used to be a very closed book, um, really didn't like to share much, but through a lot of my employees, I, I found out as I got to know them a little bit better, we all had similar upbringings. We all had similar um, uh, early childhood issues, mm -hmm. I guess. You know, abusive fathers, poor household income, uh, limited education, um, no, no real um, idols to look at, you know, people to, to aspire to be. Yeah. Um, uh, we all grew up in a similar situation. So by talking with them and them talking with me, I was able to start learning a little bit more about myself. Like I believe that we're all kind of goldfish on a table and you being the goldfish in the bowl, you know, the world around you is blurry. You're only one point of view. Um, and that's what I was. I was the goldfish on the table. But now I realize that what you really need is several people around the table describing the goldfish hmm. because like it's, it's like we are all flawed. Our perceptions of life, our understanding of who we are and how we're operating in the world and how we're affecting people. We are blinded. You know, we have one point of view. And if you want to be, if you want to be truly honest with yourself and try to improve yourself, you need people around you that you trust and you need to have this understanding with them that I want you to be brutally honest with me. I want you to point out all my flaws. I want you to tell me when I'm being stupid. I want you to be the devil's advocate. 
I want, and, and so with all my employees, I ask them directly, I need you to do this. I need you to point out my flaws. And trust me, they did. Well, I think you told me a story, you told our group the story, how you take your your crew camping once a year. So just, just talk about that story real quick. That's pretty cool. So yeah, so about two years ago is, so we've, we've only done this twice, you know, but I, I intend to continue to do it because it's been great. Um, so each summer we go out for a three, four or five day camping trip, you know, whatever we can afford to do. And the rule is, this is your opportunity to be brutally honest. Nothing you say or do will be held against you. Um, you know, let's get some drinks, let's relax and let's be honest. And so at this most recent camping trip, um, on the first night, you know, we had all had a few drinks. We just ate dinner, had some nice hamburgers and we're sitting around the campfire. And then, um, one of my guys just kind of goes, so is it time? And everybody kind of shakes their head and they're like, yeah, I guess so. And they're like, Jeff, this is actually an intervention. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, look, you told us to be brutally honest with you. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And they just laid out issue after issue after issue after issue, all things that I could not see. And you had no idea this was coming. You no. had no idea. And these are the blind spots that we all have. Is we this, all have them. And you were unaware and they're like, okay, you yeah. said- so here yeah, we go. you said be honest, so we're going to be honest. And they, man, that just, it felt like a crucifixion. It, like every truth that they were spitting out, the moment that they said it, it's like, I don't know how I didn't see it. They say it and then it's like, oh my gosh, Is you're there right. one that specifically stood out like that hit you a the couple. hardest? Yes. All right, give us a couple. Um, one was uh, you keep getting your, you keep getting in our way. Like you just need to let us make our own mistakes. Um, like don't give us a position or give us a, a, a job title and a job description and, and then send us out to go do it. Uh -huh. And the moment that we make a mistake or two, you step back in and try to do it yourself and try to correct it or, like, stop trying to change things so quickly, in other words. Is that ego? Is it I don't pride? Know. Is it fear? Uh, fear. Okay. I would We're say gonna... fear. Okay. Um, I think I think so. I think so. And maybe fear is bathed in pride because it's about us instead of God. Maybe. Good point. I don't know. I think, I think the best I can describe it is... The reputation of the business is very important. You know, it's, it is the thing that allows it to be successful because yeah. it's roof cleaning. It's simple. It's basic. It's, there's nothing special here. Anybody could do it. The only reason why we're a million dollar business is because of our reputation. And so if it's not perfect or as close to that as we can get, if the customers aren't being taken care of to the utmost of our abilities, and if there's um, cracks in the foundations, it scares the hell out of me because it's it doesn't take very much hmm. um, in a calm pond to cause a lot of ripples. Yeah. It doesn't take very many people for you to piss off for your reputation to have a tank, uh, to, you know, to, to, to fall apart. So it's like I see that and I understand that. 
And, you know, maybe this is my pride. Maybe this is my ego. But I do feel like, you know, my employees don't fully get it um, or don't fully understand um, just how precious a reputation is and just how fragile it can be. Yeah. How- Look at Disney. Look at Bud Light. Yeah. Look at these companies that are out there and they've built empires. And then from one or two or maybe a small handful of stupid decisions, Mm -hmm. they've utterly destroyed their reputation. They've made thousands and thousands of correct choices. A few bad ones destroyed it. Yeah. It's not easy Mm. and you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. The culture, the character of a company I call it culture, um, but what's difficult is for us to have great employees is to be able to trust. Yeah, to trust them because if we don't trust, it's kind of like Leo. As Leo gets older, you ever heard the story about you know a, a dad telling his son, "Don't spill the milk, don't spill the milk, mm-hmm. don't spill the milk," mm-hmm. and then what does the son do? Spills the milk. He spills milk. Yeah, but hey, let's focus on the positive and. Um, Something I've had to learn too is really telling people, hey, you're, you're going to make mistakes and we're going to learn from them. So I'm going to invite you into making mistakes mm-hmm. and l- allow you to learn from them. Is that cool? Yeah, that's good. And that took a long time to figure out that I make plenty. Then why would I hire somebody to think that they wouldn't make mistakes? That's just foolish. Mm-hmm. That's what I had to learn. So I get, I get that. And it was fear, fear of a loss of a, you know, of a client, a transaction or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But we all make mistakes. Oh, so it's I've not whether plenty. we make mistakes or not. Mm-hmm. It's then what, what do we do with that mistake? What do, do we mm-hmm. own it or do we blame? Mm-hmm. And there's always the question is like, hey, if you make a mistake, just be proud, mm-hmm. proud and own that baby mm-hmm. and then learn from it. Took a long time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thankful that the people around me are are honest and trying to help me to see those things. Mm. And I am trying to be better. You know, I'm trying to make improvements. Um, it's not easy. No, it's, it's, it's painful to change. And oh, yeah. It's painful, but, well, it sounds like your humility is there. It's in, you want to be better. Oh, yeah. And you admit and I admit it's really hard to do, but by God's grace, mm-hmm. um, he'll keep working away on us and and we'll learn how to serve people at a higher level and, and realize we're here to serve. Um, it's called servant leadership. You know, something I'm trying to learn as well is how to, how to be a servant, not something else. But yeah, um, with, with a lot of, like with my employees, um, I used to tell them like, look, a leader should leave. So if anybody's under a leader, that person, when they're ready to move on and leave, they should be better off than when they first got there. Mm. If the leader isn't helping you to improve or be a better person when you leave, then they're not leading. Yeah. Kind of the whole purpose of a leader is to bring you somewhere better. Um, and the leader should also be willing to do anything that they're going to ask their own guys to do. Yeah. And in the earlier days of the business, it was so much more simple because it's like I was out in the field. They saw me working right alongside them. 
But when you step back from that and now you're in the office, you're not in the field, you can, you can lose some of that respect. And the hardest thing for me has been really, it's been creating the SOPs um, and creating the structure that will hold it all together and having those rules and holding people accountable to those rules. It's been really hard to replace that in person, like I'm right there and I'm instructing people as we go and then taking that step back and replacing that with words yeah. and rules. That's been a really hard transition. I'm not done with that yet. Yeah. Still working on it. Well, God's still at work in our lives and and that's good. It keeps us humble. And yeah. that's uh that's the story. Well, hey, Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here, but let's sure. end with the uh, I don't know. Give me something fun that you love to do. What's uh we'll end on a fun note. Yeah. What do you enjoy doing for fun with uh Leo with your wife. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, um, we really like going to the park. Okay. Um, you know, obviously can't really do that much right now, but during the summer, uh, we went to the park pretty much every single day. Um, really it's anything. So right now I'd say my favorite thing is watching him learn something new Yeah. or having a new experience. Like I'm always excited. Like, Oh, here's a new food he hasn't tried. Like, oh, let's 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 let him try this new food and see what he thinks about it. Um, it's just uh, my favorite thing, my hobby, if you will, is watching him learn and grow. Um, and I think you know Jordan Peterson says this actually. Yeah, this is how children pay you back is by you allowing, like, you basically relive your childhood through them. You get to re-experience that exploration of life and it's a beautiful thing what a joy um so honestly outside of work that's my favorite thing yeah well you've been blessed man you're married you have a little boy you prayed mm -hmm. about and and uh that's really amazing yeah well dude thanks for pouring out your heart sure. uh i'll be watching your journey when do you think you'll launch uh we'll end with this here when do you think you'll launch your uh your new book. Character and Callings. Character and Callings. Um, well, it's it's kind of like now that I've had a little bit more time to reflect, like I, I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to full on do that for at least another year. Okay. But um, what I do want to do is yeah. in any off time that I do have, mm -hmm. I want to be plugging away at it. Because it's one of those things where I feel deep inside that it is something that I'm supposed to do. And I also feel that I'm supposed to be working on it now. Um, but I also have to balance life and business at the same time. So, again, I think I could have been working on that full time right now if I had made some better decisions within the last year. Yeah. You know. Um, so... When is that even going to start working on it full time? Probably a year from now. Okay. And until then, it's just whenever I can plug away at it. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, here's another thing, buddy. If that is God asking me to do that, um, it's going to happen. Yep. He's going to give me the right timing. It's just like the prayer of send me the send send me the right person for for marriage. Yeah. It's kind of that with this. I I think that. The bottom line is I'm going to have to give more of that to him and, and let go of it more. Man, well said. Well said. Yeah. Well, thanks for being a part of the show this mm -hmm. uh, this week, uh, Jaffa. I really appreciate your heart. Appreciate meeting with you 
uh, every week when we get to meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thank you for all the listeners out there each week. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for taking the time each week to be encouraged, challenged, and loved. Remember what Jesus said? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My hope and prayer is that you believe the words of Jesus. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much.